third part and final of session 80. Let's finalize this with appropriately the ending of the cycle of the spirit, significator, transformation, and great way. Let's begin. So far we have been exploring the whole cycle of the spirit in terms of the tarot and archetypical mind. So we discussed the matrix, uh, potentiator, catalyst experience of the cycle of the spirit. And we now have left three more archetypes which we're going to get into. Now remember that in the last video, I got all the way up to the catalyst and experience of the spirit. So we talked about these two. I won't make a recap on that. You can go watch it or listen to in part two of this session. And the only thing that I would uh, refresh is that the the purpose of the cycle of the spirit is to in essence there's there's two paths as usual right but this is the realization of who you are as a divine being and so there are two paths as always and there is the path of separation and the path of unity so we know separation is negative, um, unity is positive. We know that the matrix of the spirit and what I call the minor cycle, actually I don't call it the minor cycle, but what I agree with Joe Cortez um, in the minor cycle, which is the first four archetypes, they, they seem to have this dark and light sort of theme on him. I'm just attracted to that quality of these uh, these light expressions as the lightning, the star, the moonlight, and finally we're going to get into the significator, which is the sun. So this light is to bring the uh, spirit of the logos or the of God, <laughs> the Creator, the intelligent infinity. And what are we going to do with it? Well, that's the question. There is power in spirit. What we do with it is the choice, you see? So that's the only thing that is important to keep in mind from what is called a minor cycle, which I very much like, um, from matrix all the way to, I would even say significator. Significator is included here, uh, in my opinion. The significator is the middle point in between these two cycles, um, minor and major cycle, major cycle being transformation in a great way, which we're going to get into. So the significator is in both, of course. Now, um, with that in mind, I think it's easy to see simply that the cycle of the spirit or the purpose of 
evolution of spirit is to become aware of uh, our being and then what do we do with that? How do we perceive the illusion from that standpoint? Because it's not like you suddenly uh, leave the earth, you, know, you disappear, you die <laughs> in this process. Even though the sarcophagus is usually interpreted as that, that would be the transformation of the spirit. But I don't believe so. I believe that these transformations and this whole cycle of experience in spirit is just to enhance the view of the entity either in one way or the other, unity or separation. Okay, so with that in mind, we can go into the first question that I have here. This will probably be a short uh, episode. Where are my slides? There it is. Um, this is not the slide that I want. All right, let's navigate this. Let's go all the way down to this 15, where we were. Yes. So there we go. 16 is where we go. Question 16, Don says, I guess that the 19th archetype of the spirit would be the significator of the spirit. Is that correct? Ra says, this is correct. So Don follows up and says, how would you describe the significator of the spirit? Clever question. Ra says, in answer to the previous query, we said about doing justice. The significator of the spirit is that living entity which either radiates or absorbs the love and the light of the one infinite creator, radiated, radiates it to others or absorbs it for, it for the self. So if you go back to, um, to the answer in question 15, you will see that Ra gave a sort of uh, background for how there is the service to self, which um, <laughs> beautifully described as um, grasping the light of day and um, preferring the darkness, knowing the light, but preferring the darkness. And that to me sounds like the negative path. So here's an important aspect of this. In our theology, I think in every single theology that we have had, there was never a mention of an equal opportunity for those who follow the darkness and those who follow the light. I can imagine the reason why, because this would be in a way promoting the negative uh, path for others to follow. And out of fear, this was not talked about. Um, creating a, a sort of void in terms of who these people are and why are they trying to achieve this. Uh, thankfully, we are very much mature at this age um, to divulge this information and it seems um, appropriate actually to, to say it, that there is a negative path and that this path should be followed by those who feel resonant with it. Why? Because that is just the free will of every entity. Everybody should follow it. Now, of course, this is neither a uh, promotion nor a 
advise against for this path. It's just what it is. And everybody will follow their own path, whether they do it consciously or unconsciously. So <laughs> might as well do it consciously. Um, and so we have in this, uh, this part of the Tarot or the archetypical mind, the possibility now to um, contemplate that there is a negative path. With this negative path, then we need to find the archetypical mind also serving this negative path. And so that's why, why the significator is now a, an important part, as Ross says here, to consider. Consider that it has a negative and a positive. Uh, because it seems that interpretation prior to this archetypical mind description by Ra was always that the significator, or this card in particular in the Tarot, was perceived as uh, always being the transcendence from evil and all these things and just becoming uh, pure angel, whatever it is that the theology at the time was promoting or saying that we would become uh, saints and whatnot. But this is not true. This wouldn't make sense in a universe that is made out of polarity in which the entities are able to choose their path, unity or separation. So the significator does exactly this. It is the one that is, spiritually speaking, will decide which uh, power, how to use this power rather. And that is for the knowing of the self. You see, another very important thing of the significator is that um, it's a knowledge of self, whether that be on the negative or in the positive. But you see, this is where I believe that the biggest calamity on Earth and any other third density planet, and I say calamity in the sense that there is a stagnation rather than the pure experience of the creator knowing itself. So it's a calamity or a slowing of experience for the purpose of the universe, which is experience, when there is a high level of stagnation. This is what Ra calls the sinkhole of indifference, which I have my own interpretations of this. Uh, in, in actuality, the the behaviors that, that have been, um, let's say, dominating our population to be in the sinkhole of indifference. Because as we know, there is a large population, the vast majority of people are, are in this sinkhole of indifference, enjoying basically the, um, the creation of third density, rather than the pursuing of a spiritual path, positive or negative. And so they play between the two. And it's like children playing with toys uh, and not advancing into uh, their play. Their play, every children should play enough to find their own desires in life, their own passions. How do they want to continue to play, you see? so. In a way, it's just that stagnation to playing with just the same toys. <laughs> That's what humans have been doing, playing with the same toys of third density, uh, but not choosing you know, what to do with those toys. And that would be the productive side of, say, the creator experiencing itself.
So that's the same call of indifference. That's where the majority of people are. And then there is the other two. The other two are the ones that are accelerating that experience for the creator, for the logos. And that is into knowing the self as the, uh, the creator in unity or the creator in separation. Divinity in separation or divinity in unity. So with all that being said, we can reread what Ra says that the significator of the spirit is that living entity. See, it's not dead. It's a living entity which either radiates, that would be the positive side, or absorbs, that would be the negative side, the love and the light of the one infinite creator. So the negative one is absorbing it, right? And the positive one is radiating it. Both have control, or rather, uh, clear perception of this light. So it either absorbs it or radiates it. And Ra says, radiates it to others or absorbs it for the self. You can see the, uh, so many things are here. You know, when we say, oh, the path of positive uh, spirituality is to, to be humble. You know, that's one of the characteristics. Well, this is the humble being of the, which is not really what we know as humble. We should find a better word. <laughs> we should refine language here. Because to me, at least, being humble, it's almost like an active thing. Being humble um, actually is just being. Um, a good example of this is when you're good at something and you don't know you're good at something because you just simply are. It doesn't, it doesn't require an effort for you to be good at something. You haven't been practicing it. You haven't been honing your skills. You simply are that. And so people say, you should take credit for what you do. And you say, ah, no, that's just, <laughs> that's just who I am. And they say, wow, you're so humble. And you say, okay. Um, so you see, that's the kind of humble humility that I'm talking about here. And that is part of the positive path, of course, because it, uh, when you know, you know, and you don't make an effort to knowing. So you just speak your mind as the knowing. Uh, aspect of yourself so that that would be the positive and the negative just assume that's radiation to others right and the negative is just absorbing it for it's just absorbing every experience for the self making as much use as possible manipulating controlling subjugating etc and that is the path of the significator or the two paths of the significator Let's move on with more significator, I think. Yes, Don says, then with this process of radiation or absorption, since we have what I would call a flux or flux rate, be the measure of the power of the adept. Ra says, this may be seen to be reasonably adequate, a reasonably adequate statement. Very important, you see, because we have been talking about the power of the spirit as it's wielded by the adept. And so Don is asking, this process of radiation or absorption, the capacity for you to radiate this or absorb it, um, 
because Dawn sees a flux or a flux rate of this light, let's call it. That would be the measure of the power of the adept. Um, and Ra agrees that this is a reasonably adequate statement, meaning that, yes, it sounds like something that makes sense within what is being um, expressed as the power of somebody. You can see how somebody is super powerful at um, truly manipulating those who are unaware. You see, it's remember that the negative being is able to manipulate easier those who are unaware of reality, the naive people, naive spiritually, I mean, you see. So the more, let's use the word powerful here. <clears throat> the more powerful you are as a positive adept, um, then the more light you are allowing through, right? That's, that's just what it is. And to allow this light, you don't have to control it. You have to simply allow it. You see, otherwise you distort it. You distort it into colors, let's just say. And that's fine, you can play with that. But if you allow this being, you may ask, how do I allow the light? What is this old metaphoric uh, language that you're talking about? Well, that is actually a very good and simple, it's a good question and a very simple answer. The light that you are allowing yourself to uh, flow is you, is the spontaneous you. And the only, um, the only obstacle that you're going to find is your own conditioned mind, which is going to say, don't do that, don't be like this, don't be like that, restrain yourself, uh, repress this, repress that. See, this is what we talk about, uh, spiritual evolution in general. There's a lot of mental uh, work here, of course, so uh, we can mix both cycles here. I don't know how the body is in, included in all of this other than the analog of the mind, which can also be helpful, of course. But in any case, uh, this, this is all you need to do to radiate this light, just be you. And to be you, of course, you have to confront all the shadows that you have been repressing, all that uh, you can't be because of such and such reason. So that is the positive one. That's how it radiates it. Whereas the negative will be able to uh, control and manipulate those around itself, himself or herself, that are easy to manipulate. And we have seen this in our lives, of course, people who are on this negative path, consciously or unconsciously, they're just following what they want. Um, and so that, that is, um, I guess we can discuss more about this, but I'll, I'll just move on. We're gonna move to the other archetypes. Don says in question 19, then for the 20th archetype, I am guessing that this is the transformation of the spirit, possibly analogous to the sixth density merging of the paths. Is this in any way correct? Ra says, no. <laughs> so Don says, sorry about that. Can you tell me what the 20th archetype would be? 
Ra explains, that which you call the sarcophagus in your system may be seen to be the material world, if you will. This material world is transformed by the spirit into that which is infinite and eternal. The infinity of the spirit is an even greater realization than the infinity of consciousness. For consciousness which has been disciplined by will and faith is that consciousness which may contact intelligent infinity directly. I'll finish reading. There are many things which fall away in the many, many steps of adepthood. We of Ra still walk these steps and praise the one infinite creator at each transformation. This is beautiful. I love this. There is so much packed in here um, and I will attempt to unpack it in my own way, with my own visions. First of all, uh, let's address Don's incorrect assumption when he says that the 20th archetype, which is the transformation, the one we're talking about here, transformation of the spirit, it's analogous to sixth density, and that would be the merging of the paths. This is not correct because sixth density is simply I'm tempted to call it a vertical evolution as opposed to the horizontal, but let me not include that. <laughs> That's just another visualization that it's not relevant. Um, you see, here's the thing. Sixth density, here's an easier explanation. Sixth density, merging of the paths, cannot be the transformation of the spirit because that would mean that the transformation would be uh, no polarity, you see? transformation of the spirit and you know actually this this feels like some of the interpretations that apparently have been done on the transformation of the spirit which is that you know you just transcend everything and become uh, one with the creator but that is not what the sarcophagus is this is in service also of the negative path Right? The whole archetypical mind works for positive and negative in its entirety, you see? Uh, so it must conform with polarity. There shouldn't be any merging of polarity, perhaps only in the choice. That's my uneducated uh, assumption. But I, I have strong reasons to believe all of this, which is that the archetypical mind is for third density, and so third density is still in the polarity environment. And so is fourth density, which is the purpose of the archetypical mind to ascend into fourth density. And so is fifth density. So uh, anywhere around the archetypical mind, there needs to be a path for the negative one. So Don's uh, analogy of the sixth density merging of the path and transformation of the spirit seems incompatible. That's why I... I believe Ross said, of course, no, it's not analogous. And so in the explanation of what this transformation is, we get a couple of things. Um, the sarcophagus represents the material world, okay? So the material world is being transformed by the spirit into that which is infinite and eternal. Okay, so you may be asking, how do I do that? Isn't that when I die? It's not here. I don't transcend anything. I still feel the material world as physical. Well, that's because 
you haven't met the sarcophagus at that point. <laughs> uh, I'll give you an example of the sarcophagus in your own experience, because if you're watching this or listening to this, you have gone through this transformation. In one way or another, it doesn't have to be one particular way, you have become aware of infinity. Infinity being the only thing that exists, right? You can call it God, you can call it quantum field of probabilities, you can call it anything. As long as there is a unifying field, that is what we're talking about, infinity. The unifying field, uni, is one, one field, that whole field is you, it contains you, you are it. And so that is um, your realization of spirit, infinity, God, whatever. By doing this, you're transcending the material world that seems separate, right? There is, even though you cannot uh, fathom it, you cannot uh, explore it, you cannot prove it, you cannot test it, right? I mean, you can test it, but that I won't talk about that. <laughs> uh, in the physical, I mean, you can't prove that there is infinity with numbers. That's just not possible. Meaning that you can't count to infinity. One and one gazillion are as closer and far away from infinity as it is 500 or 33,552. You see? So, um, that is a way in which you can see that the spirit is working. There is a spiritual realization there. Now, any other view of separation that you have, well, it's awaiting this sarcophagus. That is the transformation of the material world. I think it's simple. Just that first part of the paragraph explains it all. That which you call the sarcophagus in your system may be seen to be the material world, if you will. What is the material world? Matter is separate. It's molecules, it's atoms, it's billiard balls banging against each other and causing effects effects causing more effects and so on. So that is the material world. That is the sarcophagus. This material world is transformed by the spirit into that which is infinite and eternal. So there is a spiritual realization here. The fact that the material world is not the only thing that exists. This also seems to indi indicate that possibility that negative ones can use this knowledge and say, this is not the only thing I am. I will continue on in the universe, in the cosmos, in life, in the creation. But you see, it's deceived by its own perceptions and think it's separate. So merging the two, merging separation with spirituality actually creates uh, the possibility of ascension or starts to pave the road for the ascension of the negative one, which is quite possible in this archetypical mind that we are working on. Then Ross says something that is, um, it prob it's probably going to take me uh, into my own views and vocabulary because, listen to what they say. They say, the infinity of the spirit is an even greater realization than the infinity of consciousness. For consciousness, which has been disciplined by will and faith, is that consciousness which may contact intelligent infinity directly. So here's the deal. In 
non-dual teachings, we talk about consciousness, awareness being the basis of reality. Okay, that is intelligent infinity. There is a there are two intelligent infinities as spoken in the law of one. Okay, there is intelligent infinity, which I would equate it as spirit. That is the infinity of spirit, that intelligent infinity. And then there is intelligent infinity in motion, which is what creates intelligent energy. Um, so it is the aware principle of intelligent infinity in motion. This is a rather complex yet sophisticated and beautiful model uh, for dealing with consciousness in the simple sense of practical um, reality, third density reality. Why am I saying all of this? Because consciousness seems limited here in what Ra is saying. However, remember that Ra is talking about um, mental um, or the conscious mind, right? That's the mental consciousness that they're, they're talking about. And now we can become aware of the infinity of consciousness or that which is intelligent energy is potentially infinite. That is a huge realization. That is beyond the material world and our materialistic view of reality. However, that pales in comparison with the infinity of spirit, which is, again, is the same intelligent infinity, is the same awareness, but in its uh, unpotentiated form, which is just um, it itself. You see, it's awareness itself without any awareness of anything. And this is what in Hinduism, I would dare to say, is samadhi, is that uh, merging of awareness with that which is aware of. At least um, Sahaya Samadhi, which is the uh, what is considered the ultimate state, right? In which there is no other perception, but no other perception. There is awareness of everything that is, and there is no division there. That is complete union of consciousness, or subject and object, let's put it that way. Consciousness and that which I am conscious of, no separation. So this is a, a good one to, to talk about. The infinity of the spirit is an even greater realization than the infinity of consciousness. Again, if you go into the model of the law of one, you will find that there are two intelligent infinities, not because there are two. Am I dividing it? No. It's the model of the law of one to explain that which is simply infinite of itself. That is awareness, or what we call in the law in, in non-duality, pure awareness. There's nothing else. There's just pure awareness. That's what we're getting in touch with. And that is why uh, there is also intelligent infinity in motion, which is us, is this. And that's why Ra says that consciousness, which has been disciplined by will and faith, right? That is, you see, who is um, disciplining consciousness um, by will and faith? That's a good question, right? If consciousness is all there is, no, they're speaking about the intelligent infinity that is in motion, the entity, the logos, which is um, in creation. That 
potentiator part of the logos then that consciousness may contact intelligent infinity directly so you see we're making a separation here between consciousness and intelligent infinity that consciousness is simply the um, the conscious entity the conscious mind and the conscious mind goes through this process so this is a great explanation or exploration into this model of intelligent infinity having a two apparently uh, definitions which Ra gave and then Ra says there are many things which fall away in the many steps of adepthood they see humbly say we of Ra still walk these steps and praise the one infinite creator at each transformation so speaking of this transformation see there are many things that let me put it this way as long as there is awareness in creation there is limitation okay now remember there is only one being aware of itself but as long as it is aware of itself in in a subject object relationship it doesn't matter in which density it is it will be in separation that's just how it is it can be in another way okay it will experience separation no matter how much unity it sees because that's just the default mode of looking at the creation something created out of itself the only um, which is the mysterious part of the one infinite creator that which cannot be fathomed is the to total surrender of any type of activity the resting in the self the complete resting of the self in itself that is what we call um, intelligent infinity which is not in motion the analogous part for us humans here is that when our what we are is awareness when awareness is aware of the mental activity it associates itself with clearly a separate being right that is the separate self we're associating ourselves with the mental activity okay that is the creation we are taking part in the creation we as awareness are taking part uh, in the creation when we return our attention from the mental activity into its source we begin to cultivate this awareness prior to anything that is what I would call abiding uh, in the spirit shuttle right making contact with intelligent infinity which is not perceived as anything in particular it's just that peace that love that joy that radiates out of this abiding in the self and in this constant abiding in the self you begin to see the transformation that Ra's talking about here that is the one that takes that makes contact with intelligent infinity isn't that what they said 
Consciousness which has been disciplined by will and faith is that consciousness which may contact intelligent infinity directly. To me, that is the contact with intelligent infinity. Um, a consciousness that has been disciplined by will and faith. And so they say, of course, that Ra still walked these paths or the steps and praise the one infinite creator at each transformation. Each transformation just means collapsing of this separation in the abiding of the self, which is something that in sixth density, according to the confederation, is almost like, um, it's like a natural state. But I won't get into that, that's another channel. <laughs> Let's move on. Question 21. Don says, then I would guess that the 21st archetype would represent the contact with intelligent infinity. Is that correct? Funny that this is question 21 and we're talking about archetype 21. And Ross says, this is correct. Although one may also see the reflection of this contact as well as the contact with intelligent energy, which is the universe, or as you have called it, somewhat provincially, the world. Okay, so I'm a little bit out of focus. Don asked, um, represent the contact with intelligent infinity. Um, this being the great way of the spirit. Okay, so we're touching on the last archetype of the spirit, and that is the great way. And that is analogous to making contact with intelligent infinity. That makes sense. Ra says this is correct. And Ross says, one may see the reflection of this contact as well as the contact with intelligent energy, which is the universe, or as you have called it somewhat provincially, the world. So here is an interesting thing in terms of the practical uh, view of what this is. And I think this will be sort of touch on the last question we have here, which is question 22 for the 22 archetypes of the archetypical mind. How about that? But here <laughs> we have um, this transformation leads to great way. This in the positive path, at least, this understanding of unity is an understanding as not intellectual. This is this has nothing to do with the mind. Please keep that in mind. <laughs> um, the spirit is a simple knowing. Just like you know that you are uh, male, female, tall, short even there is an intellectualization uh yeah by comparison but you know that you just simply know it you don't have to intellectualize it right just as you know that you are alive spirit is yeah it's just that in terms of the two paths and so in the positive one you it's almost like your life the way you perceive life changes constantly transforms itself into 
more union, less separation, collapse of this duality. That transformation goes into contact with intelligent infinity, which is the last archetype in the spirit. That contact with intelligent infinity is also contact with intelligent energy because it's a, it's a two-way street. You see, intelligent infinity is what's providing intelligent energy or is what's creating intelligent energy, you see. So that contact has um, consequences, which we have spoken about before, and that is that some, some people want to heal, some others want to teach, others simply want to radiate it, just want to radiate that peace and joy. Um, that is how you deal with intelligent energy. There is combinations of these, of course, because intelligent energy is just, is that, you can do whatever you want with it, or whatever you feel called to. All right, let's move on to the last question, which is going to still be on this topic. Don says, then by this contact also with intelligent energy, can you give me an example of what this would be for both, for the contact with intelligent infinity and intelligent energy? Could you give me an example of what type of experience this would result in, and if that's at all possible? Ross says, this shall be the last query of this working of full length. We have discussed the possibilities of contact with intelligent energy, for this energy is the energy of the Logos, and thus it is the energy which heals, builds, removes, destroys, and transforms all other selves as well as the self. Oof, beautiful. The contact with intelligent infinity is most likely to produce an unspeakable joy in the entity experiencing such contact. If you wish to query in more detail upon this subject, we invite you to do so in another working. Is there a brief query before we close this working? And so, uh, such a shame that they didn't talk more about this here, but okay. So what is this contact with intelligent infinity and intelligent energy? Um, I already got ahead of myself when I spoke about intelligent energy, the contact with intelligent energy, which is um, that energy of the Logos. They say even more, heal, build, removes, destroys, and transforms. But you see, you're transforming all other selves as well as the self. This is in service of both positive and negative because um, what you do with this knowledge, with this knowing of intelligent energy or intelligent infinity is how you use it for your relationship with others. And so you will see that I think this also uh, explains why there is a sort of spiritual pain, suffering on people on the spiritual path is because they haven't been able to put into practice all of this that they have been learning. And I deal with people uh, like this all the time because that's just um, the, the people that I help the most with because that's who I was. <laughs> I went through the process of uh, intellectualizing a lot of stuff before knowing how to put it into practice. 
and I know that pain. And the release of this pain is just simply abiding in that which you already are. It's not something you're going to achieve. This is where all the paradoxes are resolved because you don't have to pursue anything that you aren't already. In fact, that pursuit is what's, what's causing um, the constant dissatisfaction with what you are. But in the sense of how I see this playing a part in the pain of spiritual pain of some seekers is that as we become aware of all of this and we can put it into practice, you feel sort of empty. You feel, of course, the, the intellect being massaged constantly will feel as um, it needs a, a way to put it into practical use. And it's almost like a yearning. It's a yearning to uh, to do it, but it needs to um, it needs to collapse this. It needs to go through that process of, like I said, the spontaneous you is right there. So you don't have to practice anything. You don't have to um, become spontaneous. <laughs> you are spontaneous. I mean, spontaneity is something that doesn't require any interference or uh, interaction of one part of you with the other. It just simply is. And trusting in that spontaneity of self, that's where everything lies. Stop controlling. Lend the control uh, or surrender the control. Right? So that is the contact with intelligent energy. And what you do is that whatever it is that you're going to do is tied into that spontaneity. They also say the contact with intelligent infinity is most likely to produce an unspeakable joy in the entity experiencing such contact. Um, this unspeakable joy, in my experience, is that relaxation right it's unspeakable it really is and you would see often that um, anybody who talks about this joy which is not really joy I call it peace harmony happiness unconditional love all these terms are associated with something else and thus they cannot really explain what this joy is what this state of being is and so we simply direct uh, others to go into uh, to inquire in the nature of their being you see because it's there and we cannot talk about it this makes a direct relationship with the Tao which can be spoken it's not the eternal Tao see because once you talk about it you are ascribing a sort of uh, limitation to it or form to it and that's not what we're talking about here or what we are referring to we can talk about it so that contact with intelligent infinity in in the the process of simply abiding in yourself is that joy yeah it will produce that sensation which is equanimity harmony I 
I run out of words to describe this because, <laughs> as I have been saying, it's not possible. But it can only be experienced. Let me put it that way. This cannot be spoken of. It can only be experienced. And it can be experienced by the disciplined mind that in, in any case, it doesn't matter what path you take. And I'm talking about now, not positive or negative paths, but just simply which method do you use? All methods are bringing you to a total relaxation of the mental activity. And that's why we call it still your mind and you'll be able to listen to the creator. Silence is the, uh, the greatest teacher and so on. All these things are pointing to the state of being. You can do it now. Just listen to my words as the last and only thing that is within you. And as you do this, every time I get quiet, there is silence. And in that silence, you feel it. Thoughts may arise, feelings in the body may distract you, just like my words are distracting your perceptions. And yet that silence is still there in the background, receiving every word I say, every sensation you feel, and every thought you have. Listening, as it were, to that silence. That's the experience of being. So you see, getting into that silence, paying attention to that silence, which is a wrong way to say it because you, you don't pay attention to the silence. When you pay attention to something as an object, silence is not an object. Silence is the nature of attention. In other words, silence is consciousness, is awareness itself. So when you bring the attention back to its source, you reside in that silence. That is the contact with intelligent infinity. That is the highest meditation that exists. There is nothing else. You can say taking drugs, doing some uh, pranayama breathing or uh, whatever it is, any physical and mental activity to get into states of mind, they are nothing compared to the pure silence that all mystics have been talking about. And it's always been there. That's why we say you have always been perfect. So that is the great way, as I see it, that is then uh, contact with intelligent infinity and intelligent energy. The longer you become um, associated, not with the mental activity, 
but with the source of the mental activity, which is the silence, the more contact with intelligent energy you will have and more radiation of this spirit that we all are is going to come into play. There is magic happens here. This is what I am interested in showing people. This is my bias, if you will. I'm only dedicated and devoted to this teaching or showing. I'm pointing to a place which I cannot explain, but you can experience. And as I point to it, I notice in my own experience and in the others that have changed their lives through this process, that the magic happens without us being able to conceptualize it. But trust me, it happens. And it's only in the trusting of the self in its own source, in its own nature. Because prior to this, we have been paying attention to that which is uh, away from us perceptually. That hasn't worked. So it's a, it's a good indicative to come back and try this, to test this. And this spiritual pain that develops, like I have been saying, it's only because we don't know what to do with all the information. Indeed, there is not much activity. In fact, there is no activity that will bring stillness in anything, matter, mind, what have you. No activity will bring about stillness. Only the ceasing of that activity will reveal the stillness in which that activity plays out. And that's all I have to say on this subject. Conclusions. I think I made the conclusion, rather, <laughs> the interpretation of this last part. So uh, can I just emphasize from a, most, from a more practical standpoint that you bring your meditation to that simple um, interest, becoming interested in that which is, that is what you are. What you are is not the activity, your body, your mind, your memories, your uh, projections of yourself, and all these things are just activities. That's fine. You're also that. Let me just say that. You're not, it's not like you're, you're not that, and you have been lost all this time, so you have to cut yourself loose, as they say, from all this experience. No, you're also that. But you're confusing yourself with just that. That is the separate self. So take a step back and do the first step that we make in the direct path, which is, I am not anything. I am not absolutely anything. Again, this is not a sort of mantra. This is an investigation. Try it. You know that you cannot define yourself with any sort of activity. So when you take this first step back, you reveal the essence of your being. It's that simple. It doesn't require any advanced practices or exercises or diets and uh, substances and whatever, teachings. It's a simple investigation. Do that, you find yourself, and then the implications of it is what we study together. That's what we explore. Uh, we don't have to do it together, but um, we, we truly, it's, it, 
it's kind of difficult to do it on your own. That's true, but it is possible. Um, and so it doesn't matter who you follow. There are many people who talk about this, not only me, of course, but there is a reduced amount of people who are speaking about this without all the practices and things that are required in different methodologies, which again, are also doing the same thing, only that they require so much more of the person itself. But that's it, it's that simple. If I can put it in a nutshell, just do the neti neti process, reveal who you are, and then see the implications of knowing truly who you are and what you have been uh, calling yourself to be. That is inviting spirit into your life, allowing God or the logos to be through you, crystallizing yourself and everything else. Oh, I can go on. But in fact, we reached the hour. How about that? It wasn't that short after all. <laughs> Good thing I divided this into three parts. Okay, so this is the moment where I tell you that I have my Direct Path course online. You can go check it out. And if you're interested in mentoring, which is what I do also, that is how I invest my time with uh, people, then you can also go to the description and you have to follow that Instagram link. Easy, you just DM me there, talk to me and say, Gabe, talk to me. Tell me about this Direct Path. I want to know more how you can guide me through this process and I will give you all the details which I want to hear. Uh, more to come in other videos and uh, episodes of this channel which is dedicated to the path of knowing the self as the source of happiness, peace, joy, harmony, equanimity, beauty, everything. It is you. It is not out there. Out there is the reflection of yourself but it depends how you see yourself. And again, I'm not interested in giving you concepts or practices. I don't teach any of that. I teach investigation. I give you the tools to investigate so you can do this on your own over and over again for the rest of your life and keep enhancing this light of the spirit that we talked about here. With that being said, I have nothing else to say, but thank you for listening, for watching, and for enjoying this. Um, we're up to session 81 now, moving along. And I'll see you there, first part of session 81.